Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world, however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising. Hello and welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service. I'm Katia Adler and I host the BBC's Global Story podcast. We bring you one big international story in detail five days a week. And we thought you'd like to listen to this episode about the future of electric vehicles and BYD, the Chinese manufacturer giving Tesla nightmares. Today, we start with two companies – One you've definitely heard of, Tesla, American-owned, run by the South African-born Elon Musk. He's been the leading maker of electric vehicles for years now. But the other you might not be so familiar with, a Chinese company called BYD. But they are huge. Don't believe me? Here's what Mr. Musk had to say about Chinese car makers just a few days ago. If there are not trade barriers established, they will pretty much demolish most other car companies in the world. BYD sold more EVs than anyone, including Tesla, in the last three months of 2023. So today we're asking, who is this Chinese car maker taking on Tesla? And could they disrupt the global car market? Today we're across three different continents. I'm in Europe. We've got BBC business reporter Monica Miller in Singapore. Hi, Monica. Hello. And Robert Llewellyn. Is that pronounced correctly, Robert? Absolutely perfect. As good as you can do. (laughs) As good as I can do, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Robert Llewellyn, currently in Brisbane, Australia. He runs an online community for electric vehicle enthusiasts and has presented transport programs for the BBC. Um, Robert, just before we start, I mean, you're, I don't know if you can say you're an electric car head, you know, or expert. Um, Where does the passion come from? I, it's such a long story. I mean, I don't think I am. I'm trying to be fairly realistic about it. It's a fascinating technological challenge for the for the whole world. They, what the, the show we make, the Fully Charged Show, is really about the entire kind of energy and transport transition. So it starts with cars, but it goes much wider than that. Just a very quick example, brilliant story here. Massive power cut on the Gold Coast in Queensland over Christmas. Uh, a woman managed to keep her son's dialysis machine going by using her car battery to run it. So th- there's little things that are happening with electric cars that a lot of people don't realise. You know, there's a lot of side stories as well as the fact that they're just cars. Wow, that I mean, that's that's a very powerful story. Today we're talking about cars. But not just cars. We're looking at a broader picture. They're not quite as as broad as that. First of all, I'd like to have a look, Monica, at BYD, Build Your Dreams. Um, Not everybody will have heard about them and might see them as a bit of a young upstart. Are they? Who are they? Well, it's a rags-to-riches story. I mean, the legend goes that its chief executive, Wang Changfu, was an orphan. He was raised by his siblings in a poor Chinese province, put his way through college, and after that, he and his cousin started a business making rechargeable batteries and things like smartphones and laptops, stuff that we use all the time. And this was at a period where Japan really led the market in that. So they were making cheaper rechargeable batteries and making their edge into the market. So 
at some point they had this idea that they wanted to put these rechargeable batteries into these cars. And it, that was around the early 2000s. So they bought a fledgling uh, state-run auto maker in China with the hopes of doing this. And lo and behold, uh, they, they kind of reached their peak in uh, the early 2000s when the Chinese government had started to invest in green initiatives. And then later, the U.S. billionaire investor Warren Buffett bought about a 10 percent stake in this company, saying that they are going to be the largest player in the global automotive uh, automobile market, uh, which eventually now, as we're seeing, uh, is actually t- starting to take shape. So even though a lot of people may not have heard of them, uh, they have been around for quite some time. That's fascinating. So it didn't start with cars or a vision for cars, but but rather about reusable batteries. W- what about the the founder, you know, the, the, the owner who you mentioned there, Wang Chuanfu? How does he compare, if we're looking at Tesla, how does he compare to the character or the persona that is Elon Musk. <laughs> He's a bit more of a quiet guy, a little bit more behind the scenes. Um, and actually, we did a we did approach him about doing an interview, um, and uh, we were declined. It is interesting. Uh, he, you know, as a scientist, he is again with his cousin came up with this whole idea. And really, the success for BYD, the secret sauce is that they still make batteries, and this is one of the most expensive components in an electric vehicle, which is why you know the. Car Cost of them tends to be less, and they've been able to be very competitive. We're grateful to see more customers choosing BYD vehicles. It's your proactive support that encourages us to move forward with firm belief. Europe is BYD's first step to grow further. You know, Elon Musk back in uh, 2011 was asked uh, by a television reporter what he thought, and he actually laughed at the idea that BYD one day would be this big competitor to him. And, you know, who knows what he thinks today. You're familiar with BYD, which is also on the West Coast. I think they're ramping up production of their electric vehicles. Uh, Warren Buffett owns 10% stake in that. Uh, Why do you laugh? BYD is trying to compete. Why do you laugh? Have you seen their car? I have seen their cars, yes. In fact, at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, I saw their cars. Yeah. Well, they are on a different... They are on a di- Elon Musk speaking to Bloomberg back in 2011, but BYD has come a very long way since then, as have other Chinese car makers. Elon Musk seems to be paying attention now. He doesn't find their prospects quite so funny. In fact, he was sounding pretty defensive, reflecting on Tesla earnings call last week. The Chinese car companies are the most competitive car companies in the world. I think they will have significant success outside of China, depending on what kind of tariffs or trade barriers are established. If there are not trade barriers established, they will pretty much demolish most other car companies in the world. Quite the 180 and a specific ask, right, for trade barriers. We're going to get on to the issue of tariffs and protectionism a bit later in the episode. But Monica, Elon Musk's shift in perspective, that just gives us some indication of the growth that we've seen at BYD. Just how big have they got? Well, BYD overtook Tesla as the world's top EV maker uh, in the last quarter of 2023, which was a real marker for just how big this company is getting. I mean, it's interesting because they don't sell their their electric vehicles in the United States, for example, which is a huge car market. But you will see them on the road, certainly domestically. They have a big hold. Uh, but you can also now see them in Europe. And I was even on vacation in Australia where we find Robert and I had seen quite a few of them on the mm. road. And I even had the option 
option to rent one, uh, which they've made some deals with some rental companies so that, you know, it's very smart for a car company trying to get into a market is, hey, you know what, let me rent that Tesla. Let me rent that BYDC. Take it for a test drive for a few days, see what happens. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's actually really made its way into the automotive world. It's that potential expansion of BYD outside China that we're talking about a lot today. But first, let's look at Tesla because its dominance in recent years has been built partly on its own expansion around the world, including Asia and China. So how have they been doing there, Monica? Well, it's interesting. I was just checking their uh, latest sale figures uh, from the China Passenger Car Association. And last uh, the last figures from December, uh, it actually sold more than 94,000 China-made EVs. Now, that's a 68% jump from the previous year. And you know, there's some things that we need to take into consideration. One, China's economy opened up again, which meant uh, they had a, a bit of a stop when the severe COVID lockdowns happened. I believe also there were some technical issues with the gigafactory they had in Shanghai. So uh, they now look like they're making up some lost ground because last year their sales were, on, were rather soft. And one of the things they have had to do, uh, not just in China, but in Europe as well, is they've had to lower the price of some of their cars. As Robert had just mentioned, if you're looking at what you're getting, um, you know, usually a BYD is is a no-brainer, especially as China is in a period of um, an economic slowdown, especially its middle class has been really hit hard uh, in terms of, you know, the housing market has, they've been socked by that. And they've been pulling in their earnings and, and their savings has grown in light of all the things that they have gone through. So buying a big ticket item like this, they're more likely to buy something that is cheaper, even though Tesla, ironically, is is that gold standard still in China to this day of what it means to be an EV. Monica, you've been covering Elon Musk's expansion into Asia for, for, for quite a while, haven't you? Would you say that that expansion itself has had an impact in, in China and, and beyond in Asia? This is the irony of the story. The reason why EVs are so popular is because of Tesla. China had rules and and had tax cuts, incentives to try to have green energy and technology being developed in China. But it really wasn't until Tesla was allowed to sell their cars and make their cars um, on the mainland. And what happened there was around 2009, I believe, uh, China had changed their rules because they wanted to invest more um, in, in bringing a more green technology to the country. And they loosened their rules, which allowed foreign firms to fully own and manufacture and sell cars there, which before, just say, for example, if you were General Motors or Toyota, you needed a local partner to even build a factory in China. So when the floodgates opened, Tesla jumped in to this opportunity. They built a gigafactory in Shanghai, and they not only make cars for the domestic market in China, those cars are also exported to places like Europe, New Zealand, Australia. And so when you're looking at domestic car figures in China, you're also looking at what Tesla is exporting from China. So it has had a massive impact, not just on sales and on numbers, but also the um, the, the psychological idea of of what it is. It's Tesla synonymous with EVs, kind of like Google is with search engines. 
And what about strategies? How do they compare? So if we have a look at Tesla's strategy, expansion strategy, and if we have a look at BYD's, how do they compare? They are very different companies. I mean, Tesla has focused on the middle to high-end luxury market. BYD has seen a gap for a more affordable vehicle, and they can do that because they make their own batteries and uh, they're very tight, the supply chain that they use. Um, but what we have just been learning uh, in the recent earnings call is that Tesla really needs to create a much cheaper model in order to compete. Elon Musk said that the company expects to start production of its next generation EV at its Texas factory in the second half of 2025. And a lot of Tesla fans are hoping that means they will be focusing on a cheaper model to compete. The the strategy of Tesla is slightly confused at the moment. (laughs) And I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. I think there are uh, people who work within Tesla, brilliant engineers, brilliant designers, who are probably, you know, very, very privately less than impressed with the antics of the boss. What their strategy is, is, is global domination, you know, is complete complete global domination the 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 huge advantages that tesla have are one the actual cars the software the battery pack the battery management system is just it's just years ahead and their charging infrastructure so that has given them an incredible leverage around the world so you know you can drive anywhere in europe in a tesla and the last anxiety that you have as you're doing your long journeys right across europe and i'm speaking from experience the last anxiety is where you charge the car or how you charge the car you know and i've driven to oslo i've driven to uh, sicily in a tesla without any problem at all with charging so that gives them enormous leverage well they're opening up that charging network and that will make money i agree with robert you know the plan is really murky as to what it's it's <clears throat> it's long goal is it especially when you look at at someone like wang zhang fu who had a decades-long vision i mean he was buying a defunct car company you know with the hopes one day of putting a you know a battery inside of it i mean back then that was a crazy idea it wasn't even bespoke no one was doing it but here is a guy with a very long vision one thing that Elon Musk has done is he has provided the name, the, the fact that these cars were on the road in the United States and then grew to other markets and is really still, even in China, people want to buy Teslas. And it, the, the numbers really are a testament to that. And part of it is, uh, I had one car analyst explain this to me, it was kind of the cachet of having a Tesla. You know, you're, you're officially in the middle class. But that is starting to change with uh, the increasing geopolitical tensions between the U.S. and China. There's, a, you know, quite a bit of pride in wanting to buy Chinese products. But I think one of the things that where, where BYD have the real advantage at the moment, and this, you know, I'm anxious because I think Tesla is an incredible company that have done amazing things and they, are, they do build amazing cars. But instead of launching a smaller, cheaper, lighter hatchback, they launched a ridiculous angular weird male insecurity pickup truck <laughs> and, you, and, it, and no one's going to buy that you know it's just the most ridiculous machine you've ever seen and why would you oh, do Robert, that you, 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 you've just taken me back to school actually and to my english teacher at school and she would have loved she would have loved that list of adjectives well done i mean not the list of the adjectives you chose but just the the, the width and breadth of adjectives you chose there <laughs> 
just recently driven the, uh, the, the, the kind of latest saloon car from BYD, the BYD Seal. I mean, it's as good as a Mercedes. It's as good as an Audi. It's, it's got longer range than a Tesla. It's cheaper than a Tesla. When you recharge it, it charges really fast. The one thing I can see, it's staring you in the face, is that the, the Chinese have just jumped ahead and they have a huge advantage at the moment. And how you know, North American and European car makers deal with that, I, other than banning electric cars, you know, that's, I don't know how else you're going to deal with it. And that, Robert, points towards the route we'll be taking next. I really want to have a look at whether BYD can keep up the momentum you've been telling us about and how the rest of the world might respond to the challenge. For just as long as Hollywood has been Tinseltown, there have been suspicions about what lurks behind the glitz and glamour. And for a while, those suspicions grew into something much bigger and much darker. Are you a member of the Communist Party? Or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? I'm Una Chaplin, and from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service, this is Hollywood Exiles. It's about a battle for the political soul of America, and the battlefield was Hollywood. Search for Hollywood Exiles wherever you get your podcasts. Nanu, zwei noch nie dagewesene edle Geschöpfe. Jetzt müssen wir nur den richtigen Moment abwarten. Willkommen bei McDonald's. Ihre Bestellung bitte. Probier jetzt den Hamburger Real Barbecue Bacon und den Hamburger Real Smoky nur bei McDonald's. In allen teilnehmenden Restaurants nicht zu unseren Frühstückszeiten. This is the documentary from the BBC World Service. Robert and Monica have been bringing me up to speed on the rapidly growing and increasingly contested electric vehicle market. In terms of expansion, though, where might BYD's sites be? Because even in that really successful final quarter of 2023, 90% of their sales were still in China, right? Yeah. And part of that is because China is the world's biggest auto market. And in fact, it overtook Japan last year as the world's largest auto exporter. So that just gives you a sense of how fast and furious China is growing when it comes to um, its automotive industry. And a lot of that has been driven by electric vehicles. I think they do have their eye on the U.S. market. The problem there is that they are forced with um, tariffs and imports that are up to about 27 percent, as well as some other issues that that deal with geopolitics between the U.S. and China right now. Uh, but they certainly have their eye on in Europe to, to make a greater impact there. I mean, at the Munich Auto Show, uh, that was one of the top selling items or some of the, something that people really had a grand desire to learn more about. Uh, and they made a big splash there. We talked to BYD in Europe. They're, they're talking about opening literally thousands of showrooms in Europe and, and the UK as well. I think it's an enormous challenge for the European car industry and it's an enormous challenge for you know European politics. What do you do about it? But I did see BYD cars at the Geneva Motor Show in 2009 and they re- genuinely weren't a threat at that stage to the European car makers, to Tesla, to anybody else. They were fairly basic. They are now as good as, if not better than, Uh, European brands. They've hired European and American designers and engineers to help them develop the cars, whereas all the other car makers we're all familiar with, all the names, 
have to do a transition, a very painful industrial transition away from making engines that they've been making for, in some cases, a hundred years, and they're really good at it, and they've got to stop doing that, and they've got to work with things like software, which they're completely inadequate with, and that's a massive challenge for them. So we've mentioned tariffs a couple of times. Elon Musk called for them recently to prevent the destruction of car companies. He called it in the US. Monica, can you tell us a bit about tariffs? Why might countries want to put them in place? Tariffs fall into the category of protectionism. Basically, one government imposes a tax on an item such as an EV in this case, and that makes them less attractive to domestic customers. They drive up the price there. And governments do this to protect industries at home, which is what Elon Musk is asking for. You know, it also brings in some additional revenue. You know, but Elon Musk isn't the only one looking for ways to rein in the popular sales of these Chinese EVs. Ursula von der Leyen is looking to protect Europe's own car makers in the EU EV space. For example, Germany's Volkswagen or France's Renault, they also make EV vehicles. It's just that they can't make them right now as cheap as the Chinese can. So she's looking for a way uh, to boost up car makers in order for them to have a fair playing field. And that's very much what Elon Musk has been asking for. What I think is the problem that Europe has, for example, I'm sure it's possible for the EU and the UK government to legislate and put on huge tariffs on, a, on Chinese electric vehicles so that they just become unsellable. I'm sure you can do that. But I think the pressure from the public is, you know, they're popular vehicles. People want to buy them. And I don't know what you do in that situation if, you're, if your electorate is getting moody because uh, suddenly a Chinese car that may only have cost, say, 18,000 euros, 20,000 euros is suddenly 50,000. What I hope will happen is it will galvanise the European car makers to start making better and cheaper electric cars and i think that is happening and i think you know, companies like volkswagen are putting in mind-boggling investments into electric vehicles because they absolutely get it they can see the global picture companies that you know often don't get as much press as tesla renault and citroen and now fiat are starting to make really good much much cheaper electric cars and they're often doing it in collaboration with chinese companies that we we haven't been discussing today they're opening a factory in in hungary aren't they is is that a way of trying to circumvent import tariffs is to produce inside europe or or there's there's rumors of you know they're they're potentially going to build something in mexico too aren't they Yes, I mean, that was one of the stories was that they'll build the car in Mexico where they would get round the import tariffs in America and they'll build a factory in, yeah, as you say, in Hungary to try, to try and do the same in Europe. I mean, I think they have such a, an advantage in terms of securing materials that you need to build the batteries. They secured those 10, 15 years ago. And now all the European companies are kind of scrabbling to go, oh, we must buy batteries. Well, all the batteries that you would have in an Audi or a BMW or a Volkswagen, they're made in China. It's something that I'm, I admit I didn't see coming 10, 12 years ago when I started working in this area. BYD also sells its batteries alone. You, you know, you yeah. don't have to do that. That's a whole other industry that they have. So BYD makes a good chunk of its change from selling batteries. And that even includes to places in the U.S., for example, that just can't keep up with it. So import taxes be gone. You know, they, they, it's something that people need and they need them now. And especially as these the car industry grows in, in oh. making EVs. BYD is really filling that gap. Okay, so you mentioned Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission. She recently spoke about another aspect of this story, 
and that's subsidies. Global markets are now flooded with cheaper Chinese electric cars. And their price is kept artificially low by huge state subsidies. This is distorting our market. So she's basically saying the subsidies are giving companies like BYD a competitive edge when it comes to price. And I mean, price really matters. I'm definitely luckier than so many families, but I'd love an electric car, but I haven't got one yet just because of the massive price. So what role have subsidies been playing in the Chinese industry? A subsidy is when the government offers a financial assistance in the form of, say, a tax break or grants or even cash, and that's to help reduce prices. And that is something that China has done. You know, it's always been a bit tricky with the Chinese government to get figures on this. They have invested in green energy that dates all the way back to 2001, which is where BYD was starting to build its idea of an EV, which hit that sweet spot. So it was able to get funding from them. But I did find a figure from a consulting firm, Alex Partners, and they said that the Chinese state subsidies for electric and hybrid vehicles, it was in the ballpark of $57 billion. Now, that was from 2016 to 2022. They also gave very generous subsidy schemes uh, for customers, and they did that for about 11 years up until about 2022, and then they stopped them. But because they were so popular, some car makers still offered them on top of uh, you know some of the other things that they were getting when someone had purchased an EV. They you know kind of threw that in as part of the deal. I'm kind of I just don't think it's necessary. I think the technology will speak for itself. You know, there was a time, say five to eight years ago, where it was really critically important to to kind of try and get a few more people to try them. One of the things that I became very aware of a few years ago was that I'd never owned, I mean, I'm old, I'd never bought a new car. I always bought second, third, fourth hand cars. That's what I did. That's what everyone I knew yeah, did. I'm with you on that one. And yeah, you yes. don't buy. Who, who, I didn't even know people who bought new cars. The only person I knew who had new cars was my dad because he had company cars. I wasn't in that world. And because of the nature of electric vehicles being new, you're the only ones you can get are new. Well, I know for a fact that next year, about a quarter of a million second hand lease cars that are leased by big fleet companies. Well, they're coming onto the market in the next couple of years. So there will be the huge ex- expansion of the second-hand electric car market, which will open it up to far more people. Uh, Robert and Monica, thanks for talking to us about electric vehicles, Tesla, BYD, and thanks for the banter as well. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more fresh takes and global perspectives on one new story Monday to Friday, just search The Global Story wherever you get your BBC podcasts. In a digital world that demands your attention, it can be challenging to build your own worldview. The Financial Times brings you rigorous and independent global journalism so you can see more angles and find time to think for yourself. Don't jump to conclusions. Read to them instead. Fearlessly Pink. Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.